And we're back. Welcome to Print Your Games, the podcast about what is new and awesome in the world of 3D printing for gamers. I'm your host, Jefferson J. Thagger, also known as Param, and I'm joined by... Kristen Sowards, also known as Lost Fears. Oh, Kristen, this has been a hobby week for me. How about you? I, with mixed degrees of success, absolutely. This is, it's been a while because I've been so busy with some other projects and some like other huge deadline stuff involving, you know, launching a podcast and other sorts of things that, I, that I've kind of been neglecting my miniature painting and my miniature printing, but not this week. This week not I've this been week. burning the printer up. I printed that entire Wood Elf army for Ooh. my uh, younger sibling and uh, mostly the uh, the Titan Forge models. Titan Forge, I was about to say, I was going to ask which ones. Yeah, so mostly the Titan Forge models, especially for the rank and file infantry um like i think i printed like 60 total infantry models just from that set which i love titan forge love those infantry sets and then i went with the deepwood um the deepwood alfar from uh artisan guilds for some of the elite uh like the elite rangers because that set is also awesome and the two mix together really well very and cool then of course some giant monsters because you can't have too many monsters and the world is filled with awesome looking tree dragons lately yeah and, right oh yeah and while i've been doing that we've we've uh, i've been i've been kind of migrating i've been migrating my main game like i've been i'm loving the kings of war like yeah. I, you know but We'll talk about this in the shout outs uh, for sure. Or maybe we'll just talk about it a little bit later. Uh, but Age of Fantasies 2.5 beta just hit. Nice. And oh my gosh, is that such a much better version of that game? They did a lot of work on rewriting every single one of like the 30 freaking factions that that game has. Did they mess and with my demons? That they got messed with, but in good oh. ways, in good ways. Um, there's a lot more synergy, a lot more. There's a lot more depth to the game. Um, good. Some just to go over some of the basic changes. I guess I'm just going to jump into it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So just go into the basic changes. Uh, and for those of you who do not know, one page rules makes a completely free of war games and and battle games and even like a little RPG adventure version of the game. They've got this one cool system and their gimmick is the core rules of their game fit on the front and back of a single sheet of paper, no matter what the game is. Now there are of course, bigger, more detailed rule books with optional rules and cool things in them that you can use. But when you're playing at the table, all you need is that one page. Uh, and that makes the game super user-friendly. I, I don't break my back with rule books when I'm playing it at the local game store or anything. And you already got to worry about all those minis carrying them yeah. in. So you don't yeah, want no, to Yeah. And we'll be talking about that here soon too. Uh, for <laughs> today, just so y'all know for today's episode, after we get through the, what we're doing banter, we're going to be talking about organizing minis. We're going to be talking about uh, water curing minis. We're going to be talking about gigantic 3d printers two yeah, different new, ones new stuff getting tested it's cool oh yeah 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 uh, so we've got some cool news but back to age of fantasy chat it just came out i'm digging it you can go uh go to one page rules website you can download the rules for free and go check out the go to the new section because it's the beta it's not the if you go to the 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 just Age of Fantasy page, that's still the last version. Um, but the beta of both Grim Dark Future, Grim Dark Future Firefight, and Age of Fantasy are all out now, and massive improvements to that game. The big changes are um, that the game itself they've rebalanced a lot of it so that giant elite death blobs no longer dominate the battlefield, which was a problem Aww. with 
last versions of the game. <laughs> so your infantry are the only, like your low level infantry are the only units anymore that can get to that humongous size of bodies. So uh, your average like group of human infantry spearmen or elf spearmen can get up to 20, but your elite models are now starting groups of five and you can double that to 10, but that's it. You can't have like a, bl- a death blob of 30 elite swordsmen that kill everything no. in sight and hit on two. Okay, also like my big caster unit of like all casters. You can still have lots of casters. Now okay. don't worry about that. All right. They cool. just uh they're just gonna be in smaller groups of ten. As, as long as 20. I can do my squishy mages and mm-hmm. and try to just luck roll into annihilating you, that's mm-hmm. awesome. I don't mind because the games go faster. Either I obliterate you with really good rolls or I die. And a lot of the units are now specialized with with unique rules so instead of just having elites uh in a lot of you'll actually have multiple different types and the leader heroes now have lots of auras and buffs and synergizing abilities so there's a lot more deep tactics involved in the game so i'm digging the crap out of it of course they have 3d printable models there are huge proponents in uh in the 3d printing space right now uh and so you know there's humongous supporters of everything going on in their hobby right now so you know it's completely free so just go check it out and super friendly to using existing armies from other mm-hmm. systems or other right. um, 3D printing Patreons. And I'm pretty sure at least has been, and I think it is with the new rules mm-hmm. as well. Everything's um, optimized for using on a tablet or phone also. Yes. And the new versions have an army builder now. So you don't have to go download Battlescribe and like type in IP addresses like you have to do with the old version. Not just like online army builder that is getting worked on every day. Now, fair warning, this is also still beta uh, and you know this is all still beta all these things are changing really fast they're looking for feedback on all this stuff so that's all true too so you know but hey like i said completely free go check it out it won't cost you nothing but time yeah and and, and disclaimer i've done uh contract work for one page rules so i have a little bit of bias here well you know at least they're not charging you you know 70 50 dollars for their play test book Oh, ouch! There, <laughs> ouch. That's all I'm so, gonna say. Read, read whatever <laughs> you need to for that. <clears throat> so, uh, so that's been fun, and I've been printing a crap load of that. Besides that, my next army project is my get back to my undead. The zombies are, of course, I need to reprint them. I lost an entire batch of sixty zombies, so I have to reprint a whole. You new just batch lost of, it, right? Like yeah, I can't find them. Cannot even find them. Mm, so I'm going to be reprinting one. sixty zombies. That will take a few hours. And right, they, right. And they'll take a uh, and uh, then right now, what I've got the printer running off of is gigantic bats. Because I love giant bats and giant bat monsters. That's my favorite thing about Undead. I wanted to run werewolves and giant bats. You know what I can use? Werewolves and giant bats. Nice. And vampires on dragons. The specter models are my my thing. But I'll be talking about that probably in our shout outs when we get to it. Um, However, that's I've been doing terrain. And and I see Alex is with this. Alex in chat uh, recommended using brims instead of rafts a while back. Uh And that was a super awesome recommendation, Alex. So thank you. Uh, I'm almost positive that was you. Uh, But I want to kind of circle back on it. I will say um, I also learned the woes of large batch FDM printing over the last week. Ouch. Um, Because your 
plate that is heated on almost all your good big FDM printers still continues to melt and warp the plastic. It's just not very mm -hmm. much. So if you just do a couple pieces, it's fine. Um, but as you uh, you go on into say, I don't know, I think I tried to do 10 and the results were disastrous. Oh, you Ooh. even have the picture. Yes, it was yeah. awful. Yeah, um, I saw this and I was like, oh, pain. I guess you can just reprint that piece. Then you said there were 10 of them. And I'm like, no, I warned you against this. Why you did, did you, you did, it? and I appreciate it. For the people listening to us and you can't see it, um, the roll on the bottom, this is some, it's actually from the new King set from Cast and Play, and I really mm -hmm. liked their kind of castle because they actually have a functional balcony in them, mm -hmm. which you don't get a lot of 2D, I mean, 3D um, like balcony fight terrain very often and i thought that'd be really cool like for theaters or throne rooms or whatever so i was printing it off and it, um as that build plate you know kind of kept warping the bottom there was a little bit of um lift on the edges and it caused a couple of the pieces to pop free and collide with one another and then as those collided the fdm filaments started spooling around each other and created kind of like a, a jerking thing and, and mm -hmm. pulled off three of them entirely yeah. And I, I made the call to kill the whole print. Um, I don't, uh, if you're, you, again, you can't see it if you're listening to us, but it got up to the crenellations and, and kind of like openings on the very top of the piece. And it's really only missing kind of a top railing banister kind of thing. And it made more sense to me to try to salvage all of them with the same kind of, uh, use like probably some dollar store foam core and just cut a new topper piece so that they all matched and it, it didn't look less weird as opposed to trying to let it print and just letting it spool like filament everywhere, like a big spider web. It was already kind of a mess. Like it was so close to finishing. It just kills me because like, I was like, oh, it's, it's practically done. And I just didn't babysit it like I normally would. And uh, yeah, no more large format. I mean, large uh, quantity um, FDM prints for me. This was, this was a cautionary tale. That is, that is my theme today, by the way, in addition to me, my, you know, screen protector rants i am your cautionary tale about all of our subjects today pretty much and while i love to load up my plate for resin prints i don't load up my plate for fdm prints because you save no time doing that the only good it's advantage true. of doing that is so that you can hopefully walk away and not have to watch it and if you're doing like a whole bunch of tiny things that would only take an hour, that makes sense. But the second that I start measuring print times in like halves of days or multiple days, I'm just going to run those off one at a time because the, uh, the center of the print bed is always more stable temperature wise. And when you get to the edge of the print bed, that's when the dominoes start falling quite yeah. literally. So, so this was multiple days, like two day print. Uh, so I was going to say, hours. oh, no, no, no. This was three days and 13 hours that resulted ouch, in uh, ouch, ouch, ouch. more or less a, a salvageable fail. And I, I hope to be able to show everybody or talk about how I salvaged that in a later episode. But this just this actually just collapsed this morning um, as oh. I was on the, the tear. I, I was excited because I was trying to see how I could possibly get um, like an a current release from cast and play painted up and mm -hmm. actually have something to be like, Hey, cool. Here's this big throne room setup, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I could use it for my published campaign setting. I wrote for city of seven zeros just because it's, it's a lot of the architecture is probably on point for that. And so I was super excited. It would be a nice convention piece or whatever. And, um, yeah, just to have it like fall apart last second, three days and 13 hours. Um, truth be told, you know, my, my reasoning was I'm sleeping. I don't want to babysit this while I sleep, but, um, yeah, the, the collisions, just like Alex just said in chat, uh, 
it, it wasn't worth the yes 18 hours of productivity i saved but in the end i kind of lost it all so uh, which means you're gonna have to do it again yeah yeah well like i said i'm pretty sure this is salvageable since it's just that topper piece and i can probably you know that or frankly i could probably also um break them and make them into ruins mm -hmm. but frankly yeah. i'm so excited to print those asgard writing rising module ruin tower things so mm -hmm. like but i will be printing them one at a time yeah <laughs> I, uh, I am super pumped to get that that set of ruins from the niflum set from asgard rising just looks so good yeah it's it looks so amazing. wonderful it's the you best talk ruins talked it that up. i've ever seen yeah and i did not see like until i actually like recently went in after it funded and i think they're gonna have late pledge on it so don't stress if you're hearing this and you're like ah, i missed the thing they'll probably have late pledge don't worry about it right but um then i actually went to that page where they go down and break down each piece in the module ruin set holy crap so many cool options so many different things there's still eight days to go on this oh is it this, yeah why did i think it was funded oh it's Don't sorry it did fund it's just not over yet that's what right. my brain my brain said funded over that's rad then then yes if you're hearing this go get it if it's you know if you're listening to us live or in the first week of it being posted otherwise i still think they'll do a late pledge because they always do and again don't stress even if you're hearing this months from now as a guard raising almost always adds their old kickstarters as um, add-ons for mm -hmm. their later Kickstarter. So you're going to be able to get this, but it is phenomenal looking um, just, especially because it has a lot of um, circular pieces that, um, that stairwell, Do, can you find that stairwell and show the, the, the one there, that one's really cool, but there's also like one that's in kind of like a lattice of like that one, that one. I think so that's they so don't understand cool. that one in their audio world. I know that one. Okay. So it's, it's like a, probably what two thirds enclosed circular, um, kind of like a, it's got like a lattice or a grating around it. So it's still transparent for like functional play, but it gives that feeling that that might be enclosed. It, I don't know. It's just, and it's really cool. Very flavorful. The whole set just seems so versatile and it's got elements of that same, um, kind of lattice work in a bunch of the ruined pieces. Uh, if you use the stuff that's less ruined, you could actually make a kind of ad hoc structure that looked really cool and intact. But uh, just when I actually looked through it all, it's amazing. So, yeah, I didn't mean to do that as a shout out, but I guess it's turning into a shout out early. I apologize. No worries. I love this set. And hey, uh, I, I, when that that set of ruins came out with a monthly uh, one of their monthly pledges and it looks like they've just expanded the crap out of it for this for this kickstarter it's like it was only like a few like about a third of what we saw was in the set that came out for the month and now it's just like massive ruins and uh, for you don't know the asgard writing set like it's all like the skyrim like draugr undead with these old cold ruins it's like it's perfect for any northern campaign the ruins are universal for anywhere you want castle yeah. ruins and like it would be awesome for Frostgrave. If yeah. you're a Frostgrave player, this is like the set of terrain you want. It, it, and just so flavorful. I believe there's options for with the undead and without it. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can literally get exactly what you want out of this if right. you're interested in those games. And say like 50 pounds for everything. Yeah. So it's a super cheap Kickstarter. Shock, shock. Guess what I did? I got it. But you know what wasn't super cheap? The Jupiter. It's time oh. we start talking about some giant printers because what if I want all these ruins, but I don't want them in FDM. I want to print them in resin and spend a fortune. Uh, you could do so on the Elegant Jupiter, which we've talked about a little bit in the past, but yep. it was a kickstarted printer 
Um, it funded like crazy, and it looks like the final version of the printer is heading out to reviewers. Adam Savage from Tested has gotten a hold of it, and they've done a, a full half-hour video, which we'll link in the show notes to go if you want to go look at it. And we now know a few details about what the final version of the Jupiter looks like. Now, first, if you want to buy Jupiter, it's going to run you thirteen hundred U.S. dollars. Whew. It it is a beefy beefy printer. That's uh, unattainable for me for the foreseeable, but wow. Yeah, and it's not practical for me either right now. So, but just some details. Uh, the raised screen no longer a thing. They have a normal flat screen with a, a Saturn-like build plate or a Saturn-like resin uh, tank. V- resin tank, which has a screw-on dog water bowl. Uh, method of putting an extra bottle of resin in case you want to print something so huge that the 1.7 liter build tank isn't enough. You can screw on another liter for a total of 2.7 printable liters. Yikes. If you want to throw that, that's, that's a big old chunky volume. That is 2.7 liters. That is like a football helmet worth of resin and yeah, cost yeah. You like a hundred bucks usd just for the goo itself probably yeah pretty close especially if you're using any fortifiers like tenacious or something so yikes so it's got a 6k resolution which is not the biggest it's uh especially considering that the saturn's a 4k and we're looking at the saturn 2 and the newer version of those printers are coming out at 6 and 8k right um yeah so you know not it is noticeably going to be softer on the details so if you if you're buying the printer just print out a billion minis at once probably pick up a couple of saturns that would get you the job done a lot with a lot nicer and a lot more efficiently Um, but this is really the printer if you want something big the build plate itself is 11 inches by 6 inches or 12.8 diagonal Mm -hmm. Um, for our metric friends out there it's 277 by 156 by 300 milliliters uh, compared that to the Ender 3 bed. So say, is this big enough to just replace my FDM printer entirely? Nope. It's uh, Those are 220 by 220 as opposed to 277 by 156. The reason I bring that up is if you really did want to just go for all resin, we're still not there yet for being able to just take your standard model that was made to be printed in FDM like a lot of those models are sliced to fit exactly on Ender 3 size printers because they're the most common out there. Right. And so these still would not be able to handle that. Now, if this becomes a super popular printer, that's a possibility. And you can slice models yourself and, and do things like that. So you probably could manage it, but just not drag and drop. Compared to the Saturn, it, it well, the Saturn is 192 by 120, so it's not that much wider. It's just extra long. It's not like the Saturn, which was literally three Mars plates put together. This is like two Saturn plates. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's very cool and all, but I just, like, I also wonder, like, when you get into bigger train pieces or things like that at the at the size that it offers, what is your plate adherence going to be like? I mean, I imagine you're going to start running into stuff. I mean, unless it's really well rafted, it might drop off. So far, the uh, the the performance is that that's not becoming a problem in testing. So they were okay, actually able to good. just like throw tiny minis on this thing and print them. The details is a little soft. It kind of looks like you printed it on a Mars One, like an original right. OG Mars. Okay. Um, and so you know that's good, but the uh, 
but but uh, it does also handle the big. Uh, it does print a little bit slower than the Saturn because you have to print slower when you're printing uh, on these bigger build plates because the FEP has to stretch that much more. Uh, uh, yeah, just understanding yeah, the trampoline physics here. Can you imagine a FEP busting on that? Yeah, but uh, it is. They did say that they did vroom it on okay. tested so okay. it looks like it is room capable in fact i would almost want to always room a printer with a print bid this big right um just to get that stuff off of that fep easier yeah still yeah. it's 2.5 second layer adhesion on standard resin so you know that's pretty nice that is yeah. pretty nice and fast it's got a mono screen it's got all the bells and whistles it's got interior lights it's fully enclosed and filtered um just like the the new saturn s has filters built into it so you know it's got all the bells and whistles which is great but you know it's not practical for me but hey i would would i if somebody were to give it to me would i take it oh, yeah yeah, yeah but i'm not gonna go throw down uh, 1300 amount dollars right just yet because the practical reasons i i, I don't do cosplay if i was right. doing cosplay maybe this would be the printer if i was doing like big scale model stuff this is the printer if i was doing rapid prototyping of like that that size would be great great printer but for the model hobby it looks like the saturn is still like the sweet spot for me yeah i think so and i'd honestly rather have two or three of those you know, and if I even need that, because it's so big anyway, like, mm -hmm. and unless I'm doing like trying to get a whole army cranked out, right. I don't, I couldn't even imagine running two or three of them would be yeah. so much coming off of. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's it's cool. I'm I'm glad it's it's out and it seems to be getting good commentary on the stuff that it's good at. But um, yeah, wow, that price point's brutal. Yeah, I know. Like, I kind of would the. The place it would take in my heart is if I just switched to doing all resin terrain. If I just abandoned filament printing altogether, and you know, maybe one day there is a day. Uh, just my, my bank account tells me today is not that day. As to say, about about the same day that I have somebody I just hire to do it all for me anyway, right? Like, <laughs> but hey, the price of this stuff is always coming down. Yeah, like, yeah, I imagine yeah. you know, for a few years I'll probably be pretty affordable mm -hmm. um i'm not done with giant printers though oh do tell i am not done it's because uh even miranda who is a youtuber who does fantastic like diy projects uh has made his own 3d printer which is not a new uh, people do their own fdm 3d printers uh, all the time um but he was being asked to make some prints for restoring a car and he just didn't have a printer that big. So he made one, made one all his lonesome. And in, in the plans for this, this gigantic, ginormous, crazy printer uh, is, is out there for like, for I think that he's selling them on this website for 30 bucks. You can download the plans and software to build this yourself with a full video and instructions on how to exactly do this. Uh, I watched the video. It is absolutely insane. It is glorious. I would love, love to have this printer in my life, but I have no room to store it. Like when you're talking about FDM and prints this big, like the material's cheap enough. And I have lots of reasons that I would want a print bed that is 1000 millimeters by 500 millimeters. That's one nuts. of the things, one of the things he is printing on this is his own tank that he rides around in and is and is working on a giant nerf cannon to go on the top of this thing he prints car parts he made a gigantic nerf gun that can launch a nerf ball hundreds of meters 
Uh, first, if you haven't checked out um, Ivan Miranda's YouTube channel and you're fond of anything 3D printing, DIY, that sort of stuff, he does amazing stuff. I, I love it to pieces. It is a great channel to watch. Um, he also DIY'd a... Um, a, a gigantic six by four foot CNC machine. So if you want to, uh, if you want to get a little level up your, your, your 3d work to include uh, CNC routers. Uh, he also has material available for that, but yeah, I, I had a picture of this and I do want to pull it up on screen when I can find where I put that picture. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Um, just so you can understand this, this printer is a little bit less than three feet by three feet square. Uh, just and also tall also exactly that tall it is it is a massive beast and he printed this ranch about half as tall as he is on it as well as like the biggest benchy i've ever seen let's say that's cute the benchies that's like that's like play school toy it's huge one of the prints he did on this which was the canopy for his tank which was just the back canopy ate up 5.6 uh, kilograms of of uh, FDM printer. He uses a 1.2 millimeter nozzle on this thing. It and it just absolutely pumps out the, the gigantic pieces. So hey, Jupiter, not there for me yet. Mainly because it, the bed's the bed isn't quite as big enough to replace my FDM printer, but not uh, and not practical enough for it to be my daily driver. This is big enough that i would want i would very much want i don't would you know what want it would... to build it yourself yes i would yes i would want to build this is the kind of stuff that i want to get out my saw like i built my game room that i'm recording this in by by uh with me and my dad we built this thing from sticks and timber until it is now my game room i built my game table which you can see in the background behind me i, I love building cool freaking stuff and I would love to build this. It's all 3D printed parts and extruded aluminum. So uh, just having an Ender 3 would be enough to make eventually make this. If you have uh, if you have some, you know, a drill, uh, a, a nice sander and, you know, a circle saw to cut the extruded aluminum to, 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 to parts. I, I watched through the whole video of how we put this together and it is totally doable. It is totally something I would love to do, but I have no room for that gigantic beast yet. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's asterisk yet. Yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know, who knows when it comes to that point, maybe I'll, I'll commission you to print some big. <laughs> I, I think when it gets gets to that scale right now, like, you know, uh, those 10, 10 things nearly ran through a whole spool of FDM filament for me. And then to have it crap out, I mean, I just can't even mm. imagine having a fail on something that big oh. and i am not that precision guy that's gonna get everything right and so i know i would have a painful uh q and you know quality quality uh assessment period with it for me so good on you though for being willing to tackle such a thing so have you been watching some of the uh youtube videos where a bunch of them are helping out zorpazorp to build like the to scale minas tirith city no that so, sounds crazy cool though so youtuber zorpazorp is teamed up with a bunch of other content creators and they did this as a lockdown project and they're just about finishing it up where for the lord of the rings fantasy battle game they're building minas tirith and the fields of pelinor out in front of it like this gigantic eight foot by ten foot board 
Wow. Um, and like they're building all the like they're 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 doing it the old fashioned way with some 3D printed stuff, of course, and like a whole lot of styrofoam that's being carved and, and, and you know, and hand painted. And and, you know, Luke APS joined in to do like the fields of Pelennor. And like that's kind of like his jam is like making natural looking terrain that looks yeah. amazing. Um, and so they're doing it. You could do that on this printer in four prints. That's crazy. <laughs> I would want to see something like that. It's like you just design the entire battle board into boom printed, just just all FDL. So I was looking at his filament rack on that picture. It doesn't look like there's enough filament on that filament rack to do what he's doing with it. So does he have to babysit it and just like swap well, it out, hot swap it? It's a lot of hot swapping. Uh, for I sure. mean, I've got I, pretty good at that. I, it was much easier to do than I thought it would be, but. Um, yeah, that that would be nerve wracking to me. And that is a th in in the picture. Uh, that is a three uh, a three kilogram roll. So it's three. Yeah, times I figured it was bigger, bigger than normal, right? right? Yeah. Right. But the the cool the, the the ultimate goal when you have these massive printers, like you have uh, like the people that run those um, the CR thirties, like the Creality CR thirties, mm -hmm. which is like the assembly line printer. So the build plate on those is a belt that just goes infinitely. So they can print a part and just roll it off the belt and print another part and roll it off the belt without you getting involved. Uh, I mean, that was a pretty sweet. Yeah. And people hang these on the wall and like have walls full of them to do like a print farm. And what they do is they have uh, these machines that just that you load up with like 10 rolls of filament and it just feeds the printer constantly. Huh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's what you would want to do for a project like this. You don't want to, you don't want to be sitting there just like, cause you would be at it like every day. You just like today I woke up, I put a new rack of filament on this thing. I'll have my well, yeah, tank in a yeah. few days. Well, I'm also like, where are you going to put all that stuff after a couple of years? Right. Holy cow. Like you says, I'm running into that problem right now. Just in my general day to day, I have no room to put all this stuff. All these cool prints are coming out and like, I'm basically just throwing out lots of old prints and don't want to use anymore i'm giving away all kinds of my nerdy stuff and you know Kristen, just finding the place to put my minis is a tough thing to do mm -hmm. and last couple of episodes ago when we talked about where do you store your minis you told me you thought we were doing an episode on where do you physically store all these minis that we're printing and that's what you prepped for and then i opened up the episode with and where do i back up my cloud data True, because we just said organizing your minis. Right. And I, and I went right to physical as opposed mm -hmm. to my STL files. The good news was I already had a pretty good solution for my STL files. I do not have a good solution for yeah. physical miniature. That is the endless battle. That is the endless battle. So let's have that discussion right now. Okay. Because sure, when you sure. have your cool 3D printer, whether you got an FDM printer and you're just cranking that terrain out like crazy, or you have that resin printer and you are absolutely killing it printing your you know like that when you get it for the first time that thing just burns up it's army 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 every D, D mini i ever wanted cool freaking scattered terrain let's see if this thing will handle dungeon tiles that first rush of just printing 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 will give you a run out of miniature storage space in a hurry if you don't have a plan so, so many cardboard boxes. Oh my gosh. So Kristen, how do you store your stuff? Let's start with you. Well, I will say uh, specifically, I don't have a final solution yet. Oh, so uh, that's, 
that that I have ideal, you know, and ideal, mm -hmm. I, I'm moving towards something towards, I think what you're going to show us, but mm -hmm. um, where I started would be with some big craft bends. Um, and I think, uh, let's see, these are just, okay. So this, <laughs> this I thought was going to be an ideal solution. This is, um, sorry, I was going to say it for the users uh, who are listening. Sorry, the listeners, geez, users. Uh, the that's the um, what's it called? Homes collapsible holiday tub. Uh, mm -hmm. They're just, they are um, storage bins. You usually get them at like Joann's or Michael's. Um, it is um, the nest. It's very low profile when you're not using it. And I thought it'd be great. You can get them on clearance. They're also made to stack once they're full. All three trays expand. Um, so that the three nesting trays expand in kind of this roughly kind of trapezoidal box. Mm -hmm. And the interlock. thought it was super great. Um, on the side of this thing, there are these little kind of green wavy handles. That, right. That, um, they are meant to be fast release handles. Oh, I did not realize that when I bought this because you can get these on clearance for like oh. 75 percent off. So super cheap. But um, yeah, fast release handles. So if you brush that with your fingertip on accident drops and we all know, especially if you're not using an additive like tenacious, what what happens to resin miniatures when they drop about four feet? You never find all those parts again. You don't. Never. Or you have a box full of bits now for, for future conversion products because <laughs> <laughs> projects they're going to shatter oh. into pieces. Even inside the container. So this um, is first. This is I'm going to advocate for any new printers out there worried about shattering resin stuff. Tenacious, or and there's a few other stuff like Tough Mud. There's other additives out there, but my favorite is Soraya Tenacious. Adding just ten percent of that to the resin, these things are durable as crap now. So the the, the yep. worry about shattering mini kind of goes away if you just start adding tenacious to your mix. Yeah, I will say physics are still physics. So mm -hmm. if you have a sculpt that is just it's got a really fiddly, like very mm -hmm. um, willowy or wispy thing. Right. Um, especially if you put the tenacious enforced material against itself, mm -hmm. it will still break. Right. But it is a hell of a lot more resilient, especially in falling falling damage, unless you um, you know do something kind of wonky with it. Right. Uh, but I've also had... joined joined the tenacious cult. I know, just so. dropped this before the episode. Uh huh. And the axe, like from full five foot drop to flo hard floor to hard uh -huh. floor. Yeah. The axe broke off. Okay. The rest of the meeting was fine. Right. And so it's, it's those kind of like, you know, pure physics points that are still going to snap. It was a, an orc warrior with a little battle axe, if, if you're listening to this. But um, I don't remember which one the mini's from. You'd have if to... I'd done that with this mini printed without additive, oh, without yeah. tenacious, it would have been glass, not glass shards, but like shards of orc everywhere. I still have not found that Lucerne Hammer Dragon Rider that I dropped. Like really, like, it was like right after I got my second um, batch of prints off. I think it just shattered. No idea where it is. Ouch. Ouch. So, um, you know, I think another very accessible solution that I've tried is tackle boxes. You mm -hmm. just get them like shields or or anywhere really, um, and they're great, um, especially if you're tr you're you're kind of going you know one location to another location. But again. Uh, they're going to be somewhat problematic for a resin because they can move around a lot. So if you have the tenacious, they're going to scratch your paint. Yeah, I was about to say that that's still an issue. So I still probably wouldn't go with that. Um, and the other issue with both that and the other thing I was going to show you, which was another set of craft bins. I have these out of order. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. 
those um the getting getting things to stack securely and um uh fit that's actually one of my original solutions that you're showing right now which is a, a deeper i want to say they're about what seven inch deep right craft bins those are also available at costco um i want to say that's the iris ones mm -hmm. um they're gonna probably turn into my terrain bins mm -hmm. um because it's a good size for that and maybe large minis um and i at pre-paints that were a little more durable and I didn't really care. I wasn't upset by them maybe chipping a little bit. I just piled them in those for a while. And they actually nest very, very well. Um, so like if you've got stuff you're not super worried about or you're using terrain or like maybe some foam stuff that's very light, those would still work really well. Um, they also nest very well in Kia, those kind of box cubby things. I forget what they're called. There's a specific, mm -hmm. very common box cubby shelf unit from Ikea, but right. um, which will work with i think your solution quite well too as, as i recall um but yeah so then i've also found this these kind of multicolored craft bins they're not deep enough for large minis um there's creative options also available like costco or kirkland i believe you should be just create creative uh, options um this one i think would have some hope for the the ideal which i'm kind of heading towards which is the magnetized bases um, right. you know we talked about asgard rising already i'm just trying to move towards magnetized bases right but so it sorry go ahead so to get the the theme here is Throwing all your minis in the bin just is what you've shown me so far. Just literally yeah. thrown in, yeah. which works fine for pre-painted whiz kids, old D&D minis, hero clicks, exactly. things like that. Because as I've mentioned on the show before, those old, especially those old D&D minis, we literally took those and ran over them for, with a truck and they work great. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll survive anything. So yeah, to store those, I'd throw them in bins too. But I recoil in horror with the thought of my well-painted, hand-painted resin minis being thrown in bins like that because of the pre-mentioned shattering. Even if I'm using Tenacious, like just the paint chipping off all these yep, minis. Yep. Like, and that's that's my currency anymore because 3D printing is so cheap that I measure the value of my miniatures in how much I like the paint job and how many hours I put into getting them there. That's my currency and i don't want to spend it by having to repaint my 800 orcs because i threw them in a bin right right and, and so i'm trying a, a couple different solutions one of them is like the one you're going to show i think but then i also found those some brownie pans i think they're nine by nine wilson oh, pans yes and these are on your suggestion i think you recommended cake pan um super cheap uh for the set i think it was like 12 bucks for the set and mm -hmm. um already you can just adhere magnets right onto them and i think that's the thing because i was i know Goobertown had posted some stuff about doing some sheet metal inlays and stuff and right kind of converting so, like one of those big bins into a magnetized base bin but i think right. um yeah you you've got yours up awesome so, yeah. so the key here is magnets so right not gonna, exactly. you put magnets on your minis and i think this is becoming like the universally accepted how you store me more in the in the majority of the wargaming hobby is you magnetize your minis bases using neodymium magnets or you can use you know sheet magnets and other ways just to get some magnets on your minis and then you store them in a box that has a magnetic bottom and Goobertown was the one that showed me this method here, which is you can buy these Fabriware brownie pans with big, tall lids and they're already metal. So they magnetize straight to it. 
And uh, so I'm showing those off right now on the camera, but it's just a brownie pin filled with orcs that are all like is the picture's a... not sideways. I'm actually holding okay, that. I was sideways. gonna ask. It is actually like at a right angle, and they're still yeah. hanging in there. That's awesome. Yeah. So and they they and then the lid you know gives about three and a half inches of clearance, which is enough for most like most models fit in that good. So your average human sized ones, even some with spears. Like there's a whole bunch of spearmen in the one that that thing is propped up on. So even with their spears sticking straight up, they they still get inside the the brownie pan fine. Now my big old pikes, my elven pikes with the stupidly long spears that like are four times the size of the elf, those I have to not put in this. Oh really? And large large minis will fit in here too. So like your troll. My largest also fit fit in those brownie pans. So I was yeah. checking it out. But, but when you get to huge, you know, the huge category, the three-inch base monsters, that's when you start having to get some more specialized bins. Yeah. Um, Lucas Servito uh, uh, just threw out that Calyx is what the, the Ikea thing is that I was talking about. Ooh, the Calyx. And I love them for all sorts of gaming things. Um, I also have some, they, they have like a cloth bin insert that you can put stuff in and they're kind of good for like, like your bigger lightweight plastic box sets if you're keeping them together or, or great in those. But um, anywho, let's talk about your other solution because I, I actually aped it because it's so good. Right. And my other solution is if you get uh, stationary or letter trays, uh, which have metal bottoms, uh, I, I get these from Amazon. The IKEA makes a really great one. Um, they're basically, they're meant to hold like a sheet of paper or letters or forms and like a whole ream of paper with sliding metal drawers that you can pull in and out, but the drawers themselves are metal and your average human sized mini can fit on one of the shelves with another shelf above it. But if you have extra tall minis, you just take out the shelves until, until it's tall enough, uh, so for most of these, I just put the models in with, you know, just each shelf and the magnets, they stick to the, the shelves themselves. And when I'm ready to play, I just yank the whole shelf off the off the tray yep. and walk it over to the game table and start pulling my minis off. Uh, yeah, what, we did the same thing, sorted them by their like, you know, goblins or whatever. I even do some of my pre-paints and just having that ability to just pull up that whole tray and be like, OK, here's all the goblins you need for your encounter. Boom. So and. Good. Like for this, uh, for mine, like most of mine, I'm using the one shelves, but you know, on the bottom, I always pull the bottom shelf off of all of them. So like the extra tall mounted models can fit in there and I have one shelf uh, that I'll probably move these to another's, but like my gigantic eagles that I've shown off before on my account and we've talked about, uh, I, those all, they take three shelves worth of space at the bottom there of my elves. And you can see my tall pikes uh, um, uh, here as well. They they take up two shelves only because of those stupid spears. They normally yeah. just in almost they almost fit. Um, I have a lot. I also like if I'm doing like um, trays or unit trays or, or for like Kings of War or some other games, I like to go ahead and magnetize the tray itself as well as the minis. So I can just plop the whole tray there. I can take that that shelf and turn it upside down and not one elf will fall off of it. Really? You must be using some really strong magnets because I, I, I have found that the because that's the, like the kind of mesh, right? The shelves are yeah. kind of like a, a, a mesh grid. I have found that they'll stay put like, you know, if I bump it. But mm -hmm. I, I am not comfortable turning those upside down. So your magnets must be stronger. Yeah, I'm using some pretty pretty strong neodymium magnets on the models th themselves. And on the bottom of those movement trays, there's basically just one gigantic super thick sheet magnet underneath right. those. Okay. So those, yeah, that, that those I have to, I have to like give some force to just 
pull those off when I'm getting yeah. ready to use them as is. So there's that. And the one from Ikea, which um, I forget what it's called, but Ikea has one of these letter trays too. And it's actually just a steel sheet. Uh, so it, it doesn't have any of the mesh involved. So they stick a lot better to that. I'm probably going to replace all of these. These are from Amazon mm -hmm. with the Ikea versions. I wanted to get the Ikea versions first, but they were in the pandemic. It was like, we'll sell them to you. It's $20 a, a shelf and $80 <laughs> shipping each yeah i'm like nope nope nope, nope not nope. gonna do that yeah my friends hooked me up with um they they saw your your video when i kind of was like talking it up or not video um this is post right it was a facebook post i don't know a little video of me pulling the drawer out yeah that's right showing. and so i ended up getting surprised with some for christmas and i really really like them so i may may still go in on that but to put some numbers to it um, 84 human sized miniatures fit on each shelf. That's crazy. It's cool. And similar to the brownie pans, your nine by nine brownie pan should be able to hold like a plus medium sized critters. Yeah, they were, they, I was able to load one up pretty well, but I didn't have enough magnetized stuff that wasn't already on magnetic things. I was like, I don't want to, you know, move them five times just to set up. So anyway, I think that's. You mentioned, go ahead. I mentioned another option though, which is to get a different storage bin and then glue metal to the bottom of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually I think Goobertown had a video about that too, where it was like a, you could order kind of like a cheap sheet metal plate mm -hmm. and then just adhere that. Um, so those Iris kind of seven inch deep bins that we showed um, that they're, they're just, for, for you, if you're listening, they're just seven inch deep, kind of vaguely uh, trapezoidal bins that stack very well. They nest very well on each other. Um, nice. But if you put them in the bottom of that for your larger figs, you're going to be able to get, you know, some some big probably. I think of like things like um, the Demon Lords from Warhammer Fantasy or like um, or, you know, some of the larger mechs or tanks. I've seen mm -hmm. some really like where, where they could flip the bin upside down again. Not something I, I'm going to do. Casually, <laughs> just check the yeah. bin upside down. Yeah, the getting adhesive that keeps that plate in place is pretty pretty cheap. And then, right. yeah, you can just use sheet magnets or, or the, the rare earth stuff that you're talking about. And I know that the uh, really useful boxes are popular for this choice, um, which are just a brand of those storage bins that seem to be pretty ubiquitous over here and in Europe. So much so that there are companies that make pre-cut with gaming texture on one side sheets to put in the bottom of those really useful boxes. That's cool. Yeah. I thought I looked at those and I'm like, I kind of want, but they're in UK and I'm like, I don't want to pay UK to ship yeah. over here. That's a yeah. bit much. And, but the sheet metal, I can get that from my local Lowe's for a dollar 78 per sheet for this giant three by four um ducting sheet which is what it is uh, yep. it's meant for like duct work and that's the perfect stuff for this and like it's enough to basically make a dozen boxes out of but you do need to get some tin snips to work yep. with that and thick gloves because man that stuff will slice you so. yeah it'll, it's pretty sharp so Ooh. i think i think we are um, we promised water curing. I think Ooh, we should talk about we it. do need to talk about water curing now. So one of our listeners, I think it was David Wickham, asked a question a few weeks ago. Hey, what about water curing your miniatures? We were talking about cure chambers and stuff. And I was like, you know, we should do it. I have not water cured before. Uh, so I went out and I got me a mason jar. That's because that's what I did. I found the mason jar, a nice little quart mason jar. 
Um, and I, I filled it up with water and I water cured a bunch of prints. It's just to see how it handled. And, uh, and so I was really impressed with how well it did. Uh, it, it solved two big problems for me. Uh, one, it cured really well and got deep into the nooks and crannies of minis and all that stuff. So it all, uh, supposedly it cures in half the normal time that you would normally cure if you do it in water. And there is a make 3d TV has a, a very long video that talks about like the science and reasons behind that. And it all breaks down to basically the reaction needed for UV light to cure resin is slowed down by the presence of oxygen mm -hmm. and by putting them in water, you have a whole lot less oxygen in the way and it will cure faster. Also, the water will refract the UV light around the model and help spread the UV into its nooks and crannies a lot better. And also it helps a little bit with preventing warping, supposedly, because, hey, you're, print, you're curing in a medium and not in thin air and it's curing more evenly around the model entirely. And so not what usually causes warping is when you have a whole lot of heat or curing on one part of the model, but not the other. So it flexes to compensate. And I liked it. It worked out great. I've done four prints now, water curing. And the other thing it solved is I was able to just throw a whole heap of models inside that mason jar and, and put it in my cure chamber and go in one go what would have been three or four carefully laid out on the plates. Uh, yep. That also made things easier. But you've done your own experiments, Kristen. I did, and I did it. I, I tried to be as sciencey as possible. I actually printed off. Um, I used the exact same hollowed terrain set. It's from um, uh, Emmanuel Lipis, um, his terrain tribes. Okay. Um, uh, he also just did a couple crown crowdfunding things, but it, really, really good stuff. Uh, they're kind of these little crystal um, things that I did in translucent. It's Soriatek green, technically. That's mm -hmm. um, not green. To me, it looks yellow, um, yeah. but it's really cool. And it's also very easy to tint them um, that, that you can push it to almost any color. Um, and what I did is I actually took two, I did one control, which was just sun cured right after they were all the same alcohol bath. They were all, mm -hmm. I did an ultrasonic alcohol bath on them all. And then warm water rinsed. And then every, every one of them at that point was treated slightly differently. I had one sun cured. That okay. was kind of my control piece. Right. Um, I had two that were in my little, uh, low budget nail <laughs> okay. sharing device. And I had two that were in uh, open air in the Elegoo chamber and two in water. And, um, you know, I, I I have to say, like, I had to get really nitpicky to see the differences. Um, okay. But um, there are two things about the water carrying I want to get to at the end. Um, texturally, um, I think the alcohol bath was way more important to keep them from clouding. Um, okay. I like to work with translucent a lot. And if you do not do a good alcohol bath and get your rinse, you get your resin off of them, the that that can cause your clouding really bad and which kind of defeats the purposes of using, you know, your translucent resins. Um, uh, I hadn't done a lot of hollowing though. And that's actually something that really made a big difference in each thing. Um, the, the cheaper nail, um, uh, hollow, uh, the nail curing, whatever. Firstly, um, because they don't have exposure on the bottom of the UV tray, you actually have to like turn them, rotate them upside down and do weird things and prop them up funny. Um, but it also had a really difficult time curing the resin on the inside exposure. Um, and I don't know if that's because the intensity of the nail thing was, you know, kind of a little more low, lower 
um, UV. It worked. Um, I would consider them safe to handle, but um, they had a very strong odor still. And so that to me tells me there's uncured resin inside them. Okay. Um, where uh, the air cured, you get um, on my little, because I have the older um, Elegoo curing station with the little uh, rotating. The mercury. Rotating, yeah, mercury rotating plate, which has just about a half inch gap that lets light get up underneath the, the okay. reflection off of it. Um, and that cured a little bit better um, with the air, open air one. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, the water curing was far more thorough, way more thorough on the inside. Like there's barely any, like this This to me feels like a resin thing that I've had for quite a quite a long time and where it's been like, you know, had secondary exposure or for play or whatever. Like can barely tell that this was printed recently, right? Um, and I suspect again, because of that uh, refraction with the, the water inside it, even getting a little bit of light into it, it it bounced around more inside it, right? Got got dispersed better, um, and then, like you said, the oxygen and and isn't there to in, inhibit. Um, the only thing that was um, as cured was the the sun cured version, and that right. was because it was left outside for about two and a half hours. Right, that's the thing that people don't tell you about. You can cure in the sun. Um, when I cure in a UV chamber, I cure for about four to five minutes. And that might be a little bit overkill. I'm still unsure on how long to cure things in a UV chamber. Yeah, the I sun takes hours. Yeah, I still run mine a half hour to be sure, and sometimes even I'll hit it a second time just just to be positive. Um, especially with um, the translucent resins, for some reason, can stay tackier or whatever. But again, I think that's probably much more about your alcohol rents. And then um, I do think, obviously, though, having the oxygen inhibited uh, is going to, you know, it's going to, sorry, the oxygen inhibiting the curing on the outside is, is going to possibly make them tacky too, especially like I think it did the poor, um, poor joints on those spiritual weapons with actual liquid resin that took forever to cure even inside. I wonder how it would be difficult to do that with uh, water though. I bet. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, You have to use the UV light, the UV handheld flashlight outside of it first and then put it in the water. Right. So the two things I'm going to say about my, my findings, at least with the water curing is one you've mentioned quantity, because you can stack up one of the things that's really difficult about the form factor of my mercury is it's a long column and I either have to turn it sideways, which doesn't work nearly as well on the rotation plate, or I have to just, put what I can put on the plate and I'm done. But like you said, you can stack that Mason jar up, you know, deep and it would still be really functional. Um, and then on hollowed minis at this point, I will probably default to water curing, especially if I'm using a translucent. I don't know how well that will work on non-translucent hollowed minis, but I definitely will be using on the hollowed translucent minis from now on right. for sure. Yeah. For hollow, this is a, they make special little UV lights that are on the end of little wires that you can like shove into the drainage holes to uh, cure the inside of hollowed minis, That's um, cool. which is neat. I find that it just rinsing them out good and curing them is enough. Like just giving them a, making sure they are absolutely cleaned of liquid resin inside and out. Because you're, when it comes off the printer, it is mostly cured. It is almost certainly nearly done. You're just putting an outer hard shell to make them more durable with your final curing uh, and also making sure any residual liquid resin that made it this far gets that's cured for safety. So as long as you've washed out the inside of a hollowed model, it is safe. It's just, you know, so that's just a little bit 
more security to throw that light in there to make sure that if there is any liquid still left inside. So yeah. I go overboard with my drainage holes usually. Like I, I put a lot more drainage holes, like anywhere I can hide them basically, like three, four of them all across the model, pretty decently sized. So I can just flush alcohol and acetone into those models and, and get it out and make sure they are absolutely 100% clean. But there's an options. There's options. Yeah, there's options. And I, like I said, I think you're 100% right. The rinsing, the acetone or alcohol or whatever is probably the thing you need to focus on most. And what I've found that makes the biggest difference between a tacky mini and a not tacky mini, because for if you have a tacky mini, it's not cured. It's not right. safe. Go give it a good wash. Give it another cure. Um, give it a prime job, if, if nothing else. Get primer across that thing. Do not handle a tacky mini. Um, that's, that's, it's not done yet. But uh, if you're clean them right, that's fine. The Absolutely, the alcohol bath is important. And warm water rinse has done a ton for me for getting, uh, like, even not just to make the support soft and get them easy to get off, but like, if there's any resin inside any nook and cranny, dumping it in that warm water flushes that out after a good alcohol bath. And I yep. don't have any tacky minis if I've given them a warm water bath. Yep, agree. Unless I've done a really crappy job on a rinse, alcohol rinse. Mm -hmm. But cool. Well, yeah. I think we're about out of time. We are out of time. Shout out. Let's do a let's do one shout out each. You got yep. one? I got one. Um you still have 15 days as of recording this mm -hmm. to back uh, monolith arts lost souls and it is a kickstarter Ooh. that has in my opinion some of the coolest uh wraith undead um minis uh the, i think it's deliberate lost souls kind of being like dark souls if you're playing your elden ring or whatever i don't know the, you like really freaky undead um you want to do a night haunt equivalent army or some sort of ghost or specter army i think this is just so flavorful the monsters are also probably interchangeable for a lot of like chitin or um planar monsters if you wanted to paint them up differently but uh it's, it's a good little deal it's got yeah I'm, it, it, sorry go ahead. i'm getting nazgul vibes off these sure things. sure yeah i i just I, I think they're very unique i think like i love like um you know i know white wolf white werewolf tavern and a couple other people have done some really nice ghost sets but these just have so much flavor in them yeah i'm really mm -hmm. digging them so it definitely is like a cross between night haunt and lord of the rings nazgul is kind of the, the vibe they're going for with you're right a nice helping dash of dark souls on top of it so yeah lots a of lot of masters will be very happy with this yeah yeah but yeah you're right the, that mask you just passed was like super nazgul <laughs> right that's the witch king i know the witch king when i see him <laughs> yeah there's also a free mini if you if you want to go download that um, dark dark night I think it's or vile night so that's my shout out what you got and my shout out I just want to give another shout out to Ford Forge Miniatures uh, they uh, they are relatively new to the scene they reached out to us uh, gave us a big pile of minis to test print and stuff which I still haven't test printed but they made um they made the raccoon with the sword in it they made the really cool dragon they've got that hamster wizard i i uh i super appreciate uh the hamster wizard and the raccoon with the sword but they've got it's it's a cooperative of four 3d students that are studying 3d art and they've gotten together to do this as a patreon together mm -hmm. and so that's where this has come from and uh and it's really cool so i i, I like it nice and that's my shout out 
All right. So uh, until next time, if you want to follow, if you want to help out the podcast, one of the best things you can do is give us a rating or a thumbs up or a comment anywhere you've managed to watch this. So on iTunes, on Spotify, especially a review of the podcast would be super awesome. I think we're five stars. If you agree, we would really, really, really love it if you would say so. It helps get the word out about this podcast and help spread it to new people so we can continue to grow it. If you want to find us or anything else we're doing, you can do so over at the print your games.com website where we post up each episode and you'll find links to all the various places so if you're watching this on youtube and you want to get us in your podcatcher that's a great way if you've got us in a podcatcher and you're wanting to see what uh, what the video is like you can find our youtube channel there all right so until next time keep those printers burning thanks for listening and don't forget your screen protector i already mentioned it but you know mentioning twice is great yeah bye <laughs>